Welcome to Sunday Night Dinner, a podcast that cooks. I'm Suzanne Hancock. Here is a head of lettuce before, and here is a head of lettuce after I've gotten through torturing it. Welcome to the French Chef. I'm Julia Child. Today we are going to do two important French recipes, laitue braisé, braised lettuce, and choucroute garni, braised sauerkraut. Braising, one often thinks of as only being in connection with meat, but it's extremely good with quite a number of vegetables. What do you think of when I say braising? Beef. What else? Liquid, juice, summer. I think of fall, because that's when I want to start braising and making stews. Mmm, braising. That's, I feel like it's like roasting, but hotter. There's a lot of heat involved, and it's making it crispy. Um, but it's not roasting, exactly. Isn't that when you put the top elements on? I think of braising a piece of meat in liquid, usually covered for a long period of time. Braising is moist heat cooking, where the food is cooked in a small amount of liquid in a closed container over a long period of time. Because of the slow, gentle cooking, the ingredients take on rich, aromatic flavors. Braising's done around the world in different ways, and it makes tougher cuts of meat into delectable dishes. The science behind it has to do with that slow cooking process, breaking down the tough connective tissue and turning that tissue into gelatin. But as Julia Child said at the beginning, braised vegetables are also delicious and a way to make them even more flavorful. One of the iconic cookbooks about braising is called All About Braising, The Art of Uncomplicated Cooking by Molly Stevens. It's a multi-award-winning cookbook, and it's kind of like a love letter to the technique. It's thorough, and it includes a whole range of incredible recipes. This week, we're not only going to talk about braising, we're also talking about cookbooks. Our guest here to talk about Sunday night dinner is Barbara Jo McIntosh. Barbara Jo is a chef, publisher, and the past owner of the recently closed bookstore Books to Cooks. It was an icon in Vancouver. Barbara Jo was inspired by Molly Stevens to make braised pork with cardamom and apricots, one of the recipes in All About Braising. It's an elegant and comforting recipe and perfect for Sunday nights. It's fall here in Canada, and there's something about this time of year that makes me think of tradition. To start looking back and also feel grateful for the things that will last the winter. Barbara Jo closed her much-loved cookbook store after 20 years because she couldn't compete with the big guys like Amazon or the availability of recipes online. But cookbooks are everywhere in Barbara Jo's life and are a constant source of inspiration. Barbara Jo celebrates tradition with this simple, classic recipe. Beware, this episode might make you hungry. There's a lot of oil sizzling and ingredient chopping, and a meditation on braising and how food can bring comfort. If you want to cook along with Barbara Jo, check out the list of ingredients you'll need at sundaynightdinnerpodcast.com. And if pork's not your thing, you could substitute veal or chicken thighs. 
Barbara Jo made Sunday night dinner at her condo, which overlooks Richard Street, one of Vancouver's busy downtown arteries. We talked about her store, her favorite cookbooks, and her new adventure in France. When I arrived, she showed me around her place, which, not surprisingly, is full of cookbooks. Well, they're all over. Right now, they're in there. And then, of course, they're all right now in boxes because they're all they're in cupboards and they're in the closet and they're in the bathroom and they're just... <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere right now. Some of her favorites? Kind of a hard question when you're surrounded by piles of the most beautiful cookbooks ever, but here's a few. Oh, there's lots of wonderful cookbooks. Um, the complete Robichon. You think, oh, you know, it's a great chef. It's going to be difficult preparations, and it's not. Oh, it's something like the Zuni Cafe. Uh, you know, Judy Rogers. You know, people like that that only wrote one cookbook. And I think she knew she only was going to write one cookbook. And she put everything she had into that book. And then, of course, Jennifer McLagan, I think, is a very great cook. So she's written a number of cookbooks, Bones, Fat, oh, right. okay. Odd Bits and Bitter. Yes. One book, it's not really a cookbook, but I just couldn't imagine living it without it, is the Flavor Bible. Absolutely amazing, because what they've done is they've taken, you know, an alphabet of ingredients and what goes with it. One of my favorite books of all time is called All About Braising by Molly Stevens. She was one of the authors who came to my shop and did some classes with us, and I, she's brilliant. Braising is one of the things I am most fond of, and I think why I like it so much is there's different elements to it, so it keeps you going for a while, and you have to keep checking on the braise, and you know, you just keep tasting, and it takes a few hours. So it's a real, um, it's a real study, and then you just try and eat it as slowly as you've cooked it. <laughs> Not that easy. That's the hard part. As Barbara Jo mentioned, Molly Stevens did an event at her store, and the dish that Barbara Jo made for us is from All About Braising. A braised roast pork with apricots and cardamom are the sort of the dominant flavors in it. Um, but of course, for every good braise, you need other elements. So basically, you take your your roast. Uh, you get the you can get the butcher to trim it for you, or you can just trim off the fat. You want to leave some fat. Um, if it's a loose uh, roast, you want to tie it. If it's more of a center cut roast, you don't need to tie it. But what you do need to do is you know you needs to be out of the fridge for a while before you start cooking it, and then you season it with salt and pepper. So you just uh, sea salt, just a nice uh, bit of brown pepper all over. And you see I've left a nice little bit of fat on. If you leave too much fat, then it gets, it's very oily at the end. Okay. So there, we'll just let that sit for a moment before I start to braise it. What we'll do first is we will braise it in, the, in the, a nice heavy pan. Um, it's best to do everything all in one pan. Um, so you braise it in the pan that you're going to continue the braise of everything else with because then all of the, the nice tasty bits stay there. Perfect. So one, one pan wonder. One pan wonder, exactly. 
perfect Sunday dish. I'm going to turn on my nice heavy casserole. So I'm going to put a little bit of olive oil into the pan and heat that up. So we're going to put it in the pan and what you want to do is you want to make sure that you braise it well on each side. Now the bigger the roast, the longer you're going to braise it. Um, so if, say you've got a five or six pound roast, you'd probably braise it a good uh, four minutes on each side because you're, again, you're sealing in the flavor. I always move it around the pan with the tongs because I don't want the flesh to stick. So it's the first thing I do when I put the meat in is I just move it around a little bit so it doesn't stick while you're doing this process. So while I've got that braising, then I will start just chopping the onions and carrots that we're going to put in. So what I have here is uh, I've got some chopped yellow onion and uh, for four or five pound roast you'd use one full onion, you'd use one leek, just chop off the last little bit, you don't want that last, the, the core in there. So you don't need to make a fine, it's not like a, this is a rough chop for your carrots and onions and leeks. These are your aromatics. Books to Cooks, Barbara Joe's bookstore stocked every cookbook imaginable. She was a passionate supporter of chefs and books, and lots of people came through her store. She did events for Anthony Bourdain, Nigella Lawson, Ferran Adria, Yota Motilenge, Bonnie Stern, Elizabeth Baird, to name only a few. She wanted to create a space that housed cookbooks, a kitchen for chefs to cook in, and a space for people to be inspired enough to cook at home. I had a restaurant for years and I closed that, and then I was looking to do something else. And when I was looking, I was reading an article in Savour magazine, and it was talking about um, this cookbook store in London, England, that had a kitchen in it. And I went, what a fabulous idea. Sometimes I can't even believe. It feels like it's all a dream, the, the different people that came through over the years. We did 150 events a year for oh, 20 years. We took authors that were first time books that didn't have a huge, well, but I just, but I loved the book. I loved what they were trying to do. So I just did what I could to try and get them some publicity in, in the city and uh, try and help them get newspaper articles and media mm -hmm. attention and uh, say, well, you know, Let's just see what we can do. But even in the end, even at the very end, when um, you know it was tougher and tougher with the internet as uh, as the disruptor, uh, people were still coming in. They couldn't believe what they could find. And I thought, you know, it's just it's such a shame that I can't make any money doing this. Um, it really is because there is such a need for it. There, you know, society does want it. For a society that wants to be educated, bookstores are the best way with old-fashioned booksellers that, that know their stuff. It's, it's a different world. We have things available in different ways. Mm -hmm. and
the, you know, the serious cooks, you know, they'll get a cookbook and, and it will, but because I believe with a cookbook, especially um, from a cook that has really studied their craft too and done it, like the, the Judy Rogers and uh, the Robichons and Jennifer McClagan for just the example of who I've just spoken about, um, they've spent so much time in the kitchen and when they've taken the time to write the book, along with their editor and whatever they've written a worthy piece that you learn so much it's not just a recipe on the page that you can quickly throw together you know you learn all the different steps to making an exceptional dish not just a, a tasty dish an exceptional dish barbara joe finished chopping the aromatics and turned back to the meat Turn that over. You want a bit of color. Bit of color. You want a bit okay. of color because those colors what will give you the bits in the pan that when you're cooking everything else they come up. It's a bit of the caramelization of the meat that you want, and that, like I say, definitely adds to the flavor of everything else. Other things that will go into it after we we're going to have turmeric. We're going to have cayenne pepper, we're going to have bay leaf, ginger, garlic, and of course, the cardamom. So I have some green cardamom here, still in the husks. It's very simple to take it out of the husk. I just press it down with a knife and take the little black cardamom seeds out. Now for this recipe that I'm doing, for four or five, you would take about um, six little green cardamom pods. You put it into a little mortar and pestle and give it a good, it doesn't have to be overly, like very fine. If you wanted to do a very fine cardamom, you would just use ground cardamom. So for our ginger, just a tablespoon of grated ginger. There we go, the microplane grater is, of course, absolutely brilliant. And then with my garlic, I've just used a nice fresh clove and chop it up. Again, it doesn't have to be chopped too fine. And there we are. So we're pretty much ready. Now we're going to take the the pork out of the pan now and just let it rest on a plate while we're doing the next steps. So now we've got a pan that has oil and um, that we've used but to braise it with and we also had the fat that came off of the pork so we don't want all of it so we'll take off a little bit of that fat and leave a little bit in and in this case I'm going to put just a touch. I've still got all the flavor in the pan and I'm just going to put a touch of fresh oil in before I put in my aromatics. So in go the onions and the leeks and the carrots. So we're gonna stir those around. We don't wanna get too much color in there, but we do want them to become translucent, the onions. That smells so good. Well, there's nothing better than onions, I think. Weeks, oh, so good. You know, I like my vegetables generally. You know, I love well-cooked vegetables. 
things that have been cooked for a long time. I find they have way more flavor in them. And braising is the better way to do that than, than boiling them. Mm -hmm. So now we've got our vegetables in there. And so it's time to put in the cardamom. So we just put the cardamom in. And we'll give it a stir. It's it's uh, has a gentle flavor and it sort of balances, you know, like with we now we're going to put the cayenne in there and the turmeric. So we're add that into our vegetables and our cardamom. Again, just stir that around for another minute or so. You know, you don't you can uh, again the more you have in the dish, the longer you do things. Here you're really wanting to get everything coated nicely. We're going to add our garlic and our ginger and the bay leaf. So now what I've done is I've got everything nicely blended in there and I'm gonna put in a little bit of white wine just to deglaze the pan and get things nicely ready for more liquid. So now I've got some more wine. I've put just a little bit more wine in there. I'm gonna let that simmer for a minute or two. Want to um, reduce it a little bit before, and then I'm going to put in some, some chicken stock. When I say Sunday night dinner, what does that mean to you? Well, Sunday night dinner to me, or Sunday lunch. I mean, I grew up and Sunday lunch was yep. the status quo. Yeah. We would go to the grandparents and have a one o'clock lunch. It was always very similar. It was usually roast beef and Yorkshire pudding, but sometimes it would vary to lamb or, or mutton or um, never a chicken. She never did a Sunday no. chicken. It was always red meat. Mm. So I loved that ritual. Now, in my own home, after my grandparents died, my mother did Sunday dinner. Sunday was a quiet cooking day. So, of course, I left home. I got my own life and uh, my always busy with the, being in the hospitality business all of my career. And often Sunday I wouldn't get to cook, but when I could, that was the day. You know, in the early days when I worked in the restaurant business, the restaurateurs were never open on Sunday, the good restaurants. So that was a day sometimes we'd all get together and cook. But uh, in the last years, I got very much back into the Sunday lunch cooking or, or very late lunch, early dinner. When you need comfort, I think you, it needs to be cooked mm -hmm. and you need to cook it. Mm -hmm. Because if you just, for instance, like a pizza to me is fun food. Again, you buy it, you, you might, if you can cook it, great. You know, most people, most of us don't have ovens that can cook a pizza properly. But um, you shouldn't eat things like that. Just go pick them up and eat them for comfort, you know. You can eat that and have fun with people. But when it's comfort, you need to, you're looking for, you need to cook it yourself. And then you, you start to, everything inside you starts to relax and then you really en can enjoy it. So now I've put in the chicken stock. And we're gonna bring that to a boil and then let it simmer for another few moments. While I put in the apricots, the nice dried apricots. I like the texture of the whole apricot in there because everything else is small. 
you want the apricots to soften a little bit before you put the meat on them and put it in the oven. So now I'm ready for the, the pork. So I'm going to lay the meat right on and I'm going to spoon the sauce over before I put the parchment on. A great way to keep moisture evenly distributed in the pot while you're braising is to use parchment paper between the lid and the body of the pot. It works as a seal and it concentrates the juices. You want the paper to be a little bigger than the pot so it sticks out when you put the lid on top. And then of course what you do once you put it in the oven, you check every 20 to 30 minutes and you make sure you turn it over and put more sauce on it. So now I'm just see I'll put the parchment paper on and you're Good to have the parchment paper. Just so you see how it is. It's just kind of touching the meat mm -hmm. there. Okay. And it's over the side. And then you put the lid on. And then you put it in the oven. So braising is done at a low temperature for a long period of time. The oven is at 325 and you'll probably cook the dish for about two hours. After Barbara Jo put hers in the oven, she made some steamed rice to go with the braised pork. She checked on the braise every half hour or so to see how it was cooking and whether the temperature of the oven had to be adjusted. You see, it's just, if it was simmering, it's simmering away nicely. If it wasn't moving at all or too much, you know, then you would adjust the heat. You know, it stopped right away as soon as I brought it out of the oven. Mm -hmm. But generally, I think it, it, I could hear it bubbling. So that was good. But if it was really, really bubbling, then you would turn, turn the it heat down. down. Okay. How did you How did you fall in love with cooking? Well, I, I had to because I didn't cook at home. I left home at 18 and I didn't really couldn't boil water. I remember watching my granny cook and watching my mom cook, but she didn't want me to cook. She wanted me to concentrate on other things like homework and piano lessons and whatever and she really enjoyed coming home from work she was a working mom she goes no you just do everything and then I'll cook dinner and we'll just have a nice dinner together so definitely the ritual of eating sitting down with a and having a good conversation over dinner was more important to her and I guess also I didn't even realize it till later on in life that she relaxed as well that was how she relaxed at the end of the day, was to cook dinner for us. Um, so again, and she was a bit worried when I moved out of home that I didn't, but luckily enough, uh, my boyfriend at the time, his mom was a wonderful cook, and he enjoyed cooking too. So between his mom and, and uh, Gary, they taught me how to cook. And then I started taking cooking lessons and, uh, you know, just at night schools and things, whatever. And then, of course, you know, later on, I formally went to cooking school. The village I go to in France, um, on Sunday at 12 o'clock, the town hall bell rings, and any businesses that are open on Sunday morning have to close, And other than restaurants. And restaurants can stay open, so many people, they'll either go out for a Sunday lunch or they'll be home cooking. And when you walk through the village between 
you know, 12 and 4 on a Sunday. You know, a little later on, around 3, you know, people will start walking around. Uh, everything's closed and everybody's with their families and generally cooking. Mm-hmm. Do you have a place there? Do you, do you rent a I place or do you I own a place? I bought a place. I just recently bought a house in this village. It's actually in the province of Burgundy, towards the bottom, and it's basically two hours south of Paris. So in the front center of France. 7,000 people, but there's lots going on there, and it has history, which I really appreciate. It's where Joan of Arc was captured. It needs renovation, and uh, I needed a good break after I closed my my bookshop of 20 years. I thought, well, I'll buy a house and renovate it, and that will keep me occupied and my mind busy while I'm considering how to uh, think about making money for the rest of my life. Of the things I want to do is I, I think I'm a good cook but I want to become a great cook and I said I, I speak a bit of French but I want to speak French fluently I have never had my own garden really other than you know small patches like this and I said I really want to learn a garden have a garden and and be a real part of it and uh, have things that I can grow and that bring back that memory of my grandfather's garden where it was the piece, the piece that I saw with my grandparents. They were always old, even when I was born, they were old. And just, but they had this peaceful life, gardening and cooking and eating and just, and I thought, oh, what a lovely way to slow down mm-hmm. your life. The dish cooked low and slow and filled the space with complex aromas. The kind of perfect combination that only comes from a lot of trial and error and dedication to getting the recipe right. As I listened again to our conversation, I realized this glimpse of Barbara Jo's life was about tradition. When it comes to food, there are recipes that shape a person. Out of all published books, cookbooks seem to have enjoyed a resurgence despite the growth of digital media. Maybe a lot of us want to keep those traditions alive. Holding these objects seems like the best way to do it. Sometimes, of course, the people behind the books can shape our memories themselves. Barbara Jo had a memorable meal one day when sitting at the table next to her in the restaurant was Julia Child, one of the great figures in making the classics accessible to people at home. Did she have that presence oh, that yeah. one talks about? Yeah, yeah, she did. She, there was four of them, and I didn't... Uh, say anything. I didn't go over to the table, but I wrote her the next day and she wrote back. I have a few letters from her, which are very, very precious. Huge thanks to Barbara Jo McIntosh for making Sunday night dinner with us and to Molly Stevens for writing the book that inspired the recipe. Sunday night dinner is produced by Suzanne Hancock, music by JJ Ibsen. This is the second show of the second season, and if you haven't listened to the first show featuring Senator Larry Campbell making spatchcocked chicken on the barbecue, check it out on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check out the website, sundaynightdinnerpodcast.com, and our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook feeds to look at photos and learn more about our guests. And subscribe! Subscribing to the show lets us know you're out there, and it means that the most recent episode will be automatically downloaded into your iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play account. Thanks for listening. See you soon.